I love the work that I was doing. And so I think kind of letting go of that was a little bit scary for me because I'm like, I'm going into entrepreneurship. You don't know, you know? And I think for a lot of us, like first gen, for me, I can't speak for anyone else, but like for me, it felt kind of guilty to leave that behind and be like, but like I'm making this amount of money, right? And like my, my mom could only dream about that or my grandparents could only dream about that. after spending hundreds of hours of coaching clients in a one-to-one setting through private coaching, one of the things that I kept hearing from my clients was, I would like more community. And they are right. We thrive in community. We need to hear the stories of other ambitious Latinas and their desires to build wealth beyond their ancestors' wildest dreams. This is why I am so excited to share the news. Estás lista? Are you ready? Say Hola Wealth Academy is opening its doors to group coaching starting January. If you have been thinking about joining a community of badass Latinas who want to build wealth and support you along the way, this is the group coaching for you. To get the full details, join the waitlist using the link in the show notes. You can also use the link in bio on my Instagram page at Say Hola Well Podcast or visit our website at sayolawell.com slash academy. I can't wait, busy mujer, to see you inside. Busy mujer, are you thinking about growing an online business, but perhaps you're not sure which platform is the best one for you? Well, you are in luck today because I brought you a very special mujer to talk about all about the amazing opportunities to grow your business on TikTok. Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast, Madeline. How are you? I'm doing well. I am hyped up, full of coffee, so (laughs) ready to go today. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. So we are recording the podcast at a very early time in the morning, and I don't know if you're a morning person um, or not. No, not (laughs) at all. (laughs) So that's why you have your cafecito ready. So I... um, wanted to bring you to say hola well podcast because I have seen everything that you're doing especially on TikTok and I have watched your growth and I know that there's a lot of listeners that follow the podcast that want to grow but sometimes I think that we just give all of our love to Instagram and we forget that there's other platforms like TikTok where people can still make money and, you know, really sign clients. But before you give us the chisme on how to grow, I want to come back to you and ask you about your upbringings. What was your relationship with money like? So I guess it was kind of 50-50 positive and negative. I grew up with a single mom and she wasn't like really great at money, you know, and And I totally understand because she was a single mom, right? So she didn't have a whole lot of help. And, um, and then she was, you know, she immigrated to this country. So as a first gen, you know, a lot of us tend to like have parents that are 
working a whole lot, but there, some of them are not that great at money. So she was one of those. And she, we moved around a lot because she would often spend, you know, like our rent money on like random things like expensive, you know, handbags and clothes and stuff like that. So I think in a way it helped me to be like, I don't want that, right? Like I want stability and I want to be able to have money, but in a way it also kind of like made it negative because I need to be able to justify why I'm buying this, you know, because I'm like, I'm not going to get that money back. Like I need to have the money. And so I feel like my upbringing definitely had a lot to, a lot to do with that, with the fact that, you know, I don't really like a whole lot of expensive stuff. I also don't like, you know, just kind of like spending just because, but at the same time, I'm like, I get why, because she was a single mom. So, you know, it's not, it's not easy (laughs) raising children on one income. Um, But yeah, so it was, it's kind of negative and positive, I'd say. Yeah, I can totally, totally relate to the story of, you know, moving around so much. Um, I've shared with people in the past that by the time I was 18, I have moved 28 times. And, Mm -hmm. you know, reflecting back on that, it was normal. So I never made a big deal out of it until I started, you know, learning about my relationship with money and realized Mm -hmm. that a lot of my fears were coming from that childhood experience. So now you are the CEO of your own company. So I would like to know, how did you get there? Because it didn't Um, happen overnight. No, it didn't. No. And I mean, I think sort of growing up, it was a lot of like, we're, we're poor, we're broke. We can't really afford any of the, well, we could, we could buy nice things, but that would mean that we're moving every three months because we can't afford our rent. Right. Um, so it was a long time coming. I think for me, it just meant that I knew from like a very young age, I need to have a good job. And this job needs to pay me really, really well, because I don't want to have these problems. I don't want to be broke. I don't want to like try to figure out where I'm going to go or couch surf. I don't want to do any of that. Right. So I was actually a paralegal. People are like so surprised when they (laughs) learned this about me because I was actually an employment. I actually was a paralegal, just an umbrella. Right. And I did criminal, I did civil, I did employment law. So I was like all over the place um, in terms of my expertise, but I was a paralegal for since I was 19 years old. That was pretty much it. And so my goal was to go to law school and become an immigration attorney. That was my goal since I was like in fourth grade. I knew in fourth grade, I wanted to be an attorney and that I wanted to be an attorney, specifically an immigration attorney, because I was like, I speak Spanish, I speak English, like it would be perfect, right? And kind of helping others, I was like, that's that's gonna be my thing. So when I landed my paralegal job, I was like, super psyched, right? And it was like, it wasn't a whole lot of money, but in the, in the way that I moved up in my career, I was making good amount of money, you know? And so that kind of took me into my last job right before I took the leap into like building out my business. Um, my last job was, I mean, really cushy, you know what I mean? Like the salary was great. The benefits were great. Um, The people were great. I love the work that I was doing. And so I think kind of letting go of that was a little bit scary for me because I'm like, I'm going into entrepreneurship. You don't know, you know, and I think for a lot of us, like first gen for me, I can't speak for anyone else, but like for me, it felt kind of guilty to leave that behind 
and be like, but like I'm making this amount of money, right? And like my my mom could only dream about that, or my grandparents could only dream about that. Um, and for most of us, having that like cushy nine to five, that desk job is is really a privilege, to be honest. And it's more of like sort of an outcome or you know an opportunity that was given to us based on the sacrifices that our parents made. So going into like entrepreneurship was hard for me because <laughs> I worked I worked my side business or my side hustle for about a year or two before I actually took the leap. And so I started doing social media marketing, um, kind of like freelancing, contracting since about 2015. And it wasn't until like 2019 that I started doing my own thing in terms of like kind of helping just friends, family with their social media, you know, other business owners. And um, and then I took sort of like a year off completely where I'm like, I need to decide if I'm doing the business or if I'm doing my nine to five. And so what I ended up doing was, okay, I'm going to make a plan. And my three-year plan was, here's how much money I need to save, right? In order to, to really let go of this nine to five. Um, and let me tell you, I didn't last three years. I think I lasted like maybe 18 months because I was like, oh, like I got to start, like I got to do it. And so in 2021 is when I finally quit my job and I started Social Con Cultura. And like you said, I have rebranded a little because I started kind of with my own name, but I'm like, social con cultura fits into the mission, the purpose of the agency. It's a social media agency. It's made specifically for Latinx and BIPOC business owners and entrepreneurs because my mission is to be able to market those businesses, those creatives in a way that is respectful, that understands our culture, that isn't sort of that stereotypical stuff that we see a lot of times. Or isn't, you know, the uh, like random Spanish word here and there, right? And, and it's not just slapping like a stereotypical taco or something like that on a t-shirt and calling it Latinx or Latino marketing. I think that our community, especially with the buying power that we have, deserves to have a marketing professional, a marketing agency that really envelops what we are as a community who we are, and that, you know, the marketing strategies or the campaigns that we're putting out there really respect our values, our community, and understand sort of the culture. Because we've seen so many times a lot of marketing campaigns miss the mark, because there's no one there to really culturally check, is this appropriate, you know? And so that's my mission is to really amplify, my mission is to amplify culturally conscious creatives of color, a lot of C's, but, but that's essentially it. I want to make sure that we are redirecting money back into our communities. I think it's super, super important. So it's been a wild ride kind of building social con cultura. I'm really excited for 2023 as well. I'm full of goosebumps. I wish you could see them. As you're saying that how important it is to have culturally relevant content, my whole skin is just feeling your passion. And I'm thinking, heck, yes, it's about time that we are seen as the new well builders, you know, in this country, because we have the purchasing power, we have amazing talent, you know, like you, and what a wild ride, by the way, going from being a paralegal to now owning your business. And 
I just want to say congrats on betting mm. on yourself because that stuff is freaking hard. I don't it usually <laughs> like to say bad words, but I'm about yeah. to because it is so scary. Yeah, it's so yeah. scary to break the norm. And so scary to let go of a job, even though you feel like it's a privilege, right? Because your mm -hmm. parents didn't have that. And so kudos to you for doing that. Yeah. I'm you. like, I appreciate I'm it. like, oh my God, I don't yeah, have I mean, issues. <laughs> I, I like to be realistic about the, the journey because it's not easy, you know, being, being an entrepreneur and building your own business is not an easy thing. And I think that, so me working in social media, I see a lot of times that people are glamorizing entrepreneurship and it's not easy. You're not going to make passive income. You're not going to, you know, sit on a beach and like sip a mojito. Like it's not, you may in a couple of years in a few years, but the initial work that goes into it, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. And so, yeah, being able to clock in and out or having a nine to five and having steady income is definitely a privilege, you know, for, for many of us, for a lot of us. And it's yeah. not one that you should let go <laughs> just because you're like, yeah, yeah I am going to like really think about it because it's not, it's not easy. And but, you yeah. have to be patient, right? Like going yeah. back to what you just said, like you're not going to have passive income. Uh, I think a lot of, and I agree with you, a lot of programs out there sell this idea of like, you know, overnight success. And mm -hmm. I have been, I think I started my business, you know, um, unofficially in 2019 and mm -hmm. I slowly make money. And it wasn't until this year that I actually started seeing some of the passive income. So it took me two years. Yeah. I'm still not seeing the full gains of everything that I invested in, but I have a clear vision mm -hmm. and I know where I'm going. Right. And, and so I have to be patient and I have to stay committed. And this is why I wanted to bring you to the podcast because you love, um, you love TikTok, first of all, <laughs> yeah. and you talk about different strategies that we can use to not only grow, but mm -hmm. also profit from social media while we're still serving our community. So what are some of those um, strategies that we can use to serve, grow our business and keep building wealth? Yeah. So the reason I love TikTok and um, we've kind of branded ourselves a TikTok marketing agency for Latinx and BIPOC because TikTok is over 70% Latinx and BIPOC, you know, and the, yeah. And the algorithm, I can fill you with stats and data all day for one of my, um, one of my clients says all the time, every time we meet, she's like, you just love numbers. I do love numbers because I think they, they really, um, let us see sort of where we're going, where we're missing the mark. Right. And so in terms of, um, TikTok, it's over 70% Latinx and BIPOC, right. And the algorithm there, which everyone talks about the algorithm, right. But I think nobody really understands that the algorithm isn't one single thing, one single update. It's a lot of moving parts and the algorithm is like ever changing. It's have like every tap, every, you know, engagement that you do, it changes. Right. And so for TikTok specifically, they do an amazing job of putting you right in front of the audience that you want to attract. And they do so because their suggested or recommended feed, their FYP, if you're on TikTok, you know, right? Their FYP is very specific to your interests. They track a lot of information, which all social media apps do this. They track location, they track device IP settings, all that. 
everyone does this, but no one has done it to the level of TikTok actually understanding what you like so that they can keep you on the platform longer. That's the goal with any social media platform, right? But on TikTok specifically for my Latinx and BIPOC business owners, it's so much easier for you to get on and create content than it is for you to create a whole bunch of different pieces of content on Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is my, I want to say LinkedIn is my number one, okay? Because that's where you're going to be connecting with those decision makers, right? But TikTok is definitely my favorite in terms of brand building, building awareness for your brand, growing extremely easily and fast. I think people get stuck on the fact that they think, oh, I got to dance. I have to lip sync. I have to do all this random stuff to be on TikTok. (laughs) But you don't, you don't. And I think one of the major selling points, or I should say 90% of our clients come in and they're like, what really drew us to you was that you said you don't have we don't have to lip sync, we don't have to dance, we don't have to do any of that. And so one of the strategies that I say is you already have the knowledge inside you. Whatever you are, whether you are, you know, making t-shirts or maybe you're a consultant, maybe you're a career coach, maybe you're whatever industry you're in, you already have the knowledge. It's more so about getting yourself together and saying, I'm going to have a plan, a purpose, an intent for my content, and I'm going to make sure that my marketing strategy or my marketing plan overall is set. Because as you mentioned earlier, a lot of us still are stuck on Instagram, right? And while Instagram is, you know, it requires so many different content pieces, it is still one of the places that people search for businesses. But TikTok is like even faster in terms of, growth and in terms of how many people are moving to that platform to search for businesses, to search for products. So three things I'm going to talk about today, which is number one, right? The overall strategy, you need to make sure it's there, but we're going to talk about that in a second. Number one thing I always recommend if you just started, or maybe you already have an account, is to start consuming TikToks. I know you're like, wait, 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 like what? What do you mean? So you need to start consuming TikToks because if you are just using TikTok as a dumping ground for your content, maybe you're taking reels from Instagram, maybe you're taking stories. What you want to do instead is actually consume content on TikTok so you can tell it how to categorize your account. This is extremely important. It is the most important thing that we tell our clients. You need to spend or dedicate, you know, 10, 15 minutes that first week or during a week to tell the algorithm what you like. But but before you start, don't just go liking a bunch of other you know, business owners if they're not in your target audience. Don't like a, a whole bunch of other business owners' uh, stuff. Yeah, we can support one another. But what you wanna do as you're scrolling, you wanna tell the algorithm, no, I'm not interested in this. And what you're looking for is content that is being created by your very target audience. That way, TikTok knows, okay, this person, Lucy, is interested in this, right? And so I want to categorize her in this category or in this topic, because when you start creating content, then uh, TikTok is going to know, okay, I need to push it out to these people because they're interested in what she's talking about, right? And so a lot of people don't know, like consuming content, just not even spending time consuming content is sort of going to blacklist you a bit because TikTok is like, okay, she's logging in, she's posting something, seems a little bit spammy, a little bit scam-like. We're not, we're not going to show it to anybody, right? And so it's really important for you to hit those metrics in terms of 
the first people that see your content, they need to interact with it so that it gets it gets pushed out to more people. So if you're under a thousand followers, you're never going to see any of that growth if you're not also consuming content so that TikTok knows how to categorize you and you're not stuck in that circle of other business owners. You want to consume content and tell the algorithm that you like content from people who are within your target audience. Second thing that I have, and feel free to ask any questions, okay? But like second thing that I have is it's not Instagram, okay? So we need to have a whole lot more structure and context when it comes to creating video content. So the cutesy trends, the whole, you know, pointing at random things or lip syncing, that was 2020 TikTok. We are so past that. And so for, you may see one or two, but oftentimes people, yeah, they will lip sync to uh, uh, share some sort of point of view, but the pointing and the lip syncing, you don't need to do any of that. The main success that we've had is being able to put somebody in front of the camera, give them the script, here's what you need to know. And we can get them from, you know, zero to like multi-million views in 30 days or less. Why? Because we know how the TikTok algorithm works. We know what works and we know how we can help you get in front of a camera and showcase your products or showcase your knowledge without you having to do all this pointing and cutesy trends and having to figure out what my Reels cover is. None of that matters on TikTok. What matters is you showing up, you telling us how this is valuable for me, right? You giving me context as, context as to who you are, why I should care, and then kind of structuring your video so that it really keeps the audience engaged. And I think one of the, um, the other major concerns is how can I fit everything into like a 15, 20, 30 second video, right? Because that's what TikTok thrives on is short form video. Um, you read my mind right now. I was yeah, like, and how am I going to do all of these? That, right. And how can you do that? And so what I, what I tend to say is if you tend to be long-winded, which I am, cause I just want to spew a whole lot of facts, right? If you tend to be long-winded, go ahead and set yourself up, do a, um, like a script for your video. Say, these are the two main things that I'm going to talk about. Here's my intro. Here's my call to action at the end. And in between, you're going to write, you know, whatever it is, record that video. If it ends up being, you know, a minute, two minute, go ahead and cut out any of the unnecessary pauses, the ums, the buts, the, you know, kind of like thinking the overly um, you know, too much industry jargon, cut that out, keep it simple. And then sometimes you can even cut that video up into two, three pieces. And this gives the ability for the user to consume it super quickly for you, especially as you're starting out, you want to do a little bit more short form content because that's what people are going to come back to. If I'm only sharing, Hey, you need a strategy for TikTok because this is going to be your main uh, traffic driver. Questions are going to be, well, how can I, you know, where am I driving them to, right? So you want to leave room for people to ask you a question. Sometimes when we're doing these long-winded videos, we don't leave room for people to ask a follow-up question. And so then you're not only increasing your engagement because they're, they're commenting, they're liking, they want to know more, but you're also getting more ideas for other content that you can create for what your audience really wants. And in that first, you know, week or two weeks, we tend to do a lot of testing. We want to do a lot of testing in terms of what our hook is, what our delivery is, what the topic is, sort of, you know, different, different testing for 
how the audience is consuming, how they're receiving our content, how they're engaging with it and what performed really well. So yeah, if you're long-winded, I'd say take out a lot of the unnecessary stuff that seems too industry jargon, right? Like that includes too much of that or it's just simply like keep it simple, right? And leave room for people to ask questions. And that not only increases your overall engagement, but it also helps you have more pieces of content from that one short, you know, one, two, three minute video. Um, and now as TikTok moves into long form video, you will see that some of those pieces you can repurpose in the future. You can just post them as a one minute video. But the main goal when you're, when you're on the platform is to get that initial engagement because you're always gonna be stuck under two, three, 500 views if you don't have the engagement that TikTok wants to see within the first you know, 24 hours after posting that video. So questions, I have one more and then, and then definitely. Keep them coming, I'm writing my questions down. So the number three thing is you wanna create with purpose. And I mentioned this earlier in our chat, is you want to have an intention, you want to have a strategy, right? So whether you're creating for business or fun, you need to create with purpose. And most importantly, that needs to be strategy. And I think a lot of time people don't understand the difference between a marketing strategy and a marketing plan. So I really would encourage you to research the two because while TikTok is an amazing platform for you to grow if you know what you're doing, I want to encourage you that the other channels that you're marketing on are also funneling people into a more intimate setting because you don't know how quickly you can grow and how quickly uh, TikTok can drive traffic for you um, and convert those leads if those funnels are not working properly. Like you, you know, you're telling somebody to go to your website, but if your website isn't optimized for mobile or if it's missing a lot of information or people don't really know what the offer is, you're going to lose them, you know? So while you're creating a whole lot of content or you're just kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall and you're saying, you know what, I'm just going to put something up. No, you need to have a strategy. You need to know where those followers or those community members are going to go after they leave your TikTok, right? And you need to have or you need to create with intention, with purpose because you're not going to get anybody to your website if you don't have a clean plan or a clear strategy for how you're going to get them there. Creating content needs to have a purpose. It needs to have a structure. It needs to tell them why I'm there, how I can help you, how you can work with me. It's not going to be buy my stuff now. It's going to be more subtle selling. It's going to be more community building because that's what's native to the platform. And because of the fact that TikTok has such a virality factor, it can take you from zero to a hundred in like 60 seconds, right? You have to make sure that you're giving context and you're telling people like you're creating with purpose in a way that if somebody new saw this, they would be immediately turned into fans, into followers, because they know that you're creating with them in mind and not necessarily just for the small following that you already have. So have a purpose for the content that you're creating. Make sure that you're creating and um, having a call to action, a strong call to action, whether that is, you know, you can't really DM people on TikTok, but whether that is, you know, follow me or share this video or, you know, go to my website. And then when they get to that website or to that external link, make sure that those channels are working so that you can continue to nurture those relationships. Because the mistake that a lot of people make is they don't have a plan for their TikTok. So they don't know, or once they go viral, then they start thinking about, oh, you know what? Maybe I should have had a link up or 
maybe I should have had, you know, my email list sign up. Think about it before you even think about going viral, which is not the goal. The goal is not going viral. The goal is you building a community. You're going to have videos that do go viral if you keep at it. Um, but the goal is not going to be to go viral every single time. What it is, is that you are creating a community that's going to be loyal fans and that you have your system set up to move them to a more intimate setting where you can then sell them, where you can then introduce your offers. Madeline, I feel like we just went to TikTok church with you. You're, <laughs> you're giving us all these tips and I'm just thinking, first of all, you're generous, by the way, because people charge for this kind of, you they know, do. like, like they, yeah. they, they charge to tell us everything that you just said so yeah. i'm yeah thank you so much for doing that first of all and then everything that say you're saying um yeah. about the charging i i agree because um there's a lot of gurus and coaches that will charge you for you know stuff that you can probably just google on your own the thing is that i've been doing this for a while <laughs> you know i've been doing social media for a while and now specifically tiktok you don't have the time to sit and Google. And that's what people pay for is convenience. But at the same time, a lot of people take advantage of the fact that people don't have time. So they charge these like huge fees for BS, the fluff stuff that you can easily just find. Everyone's regurgitating the same thing. And one thing that I like sort of preach since we're at church, right? So one of the, one of the things that I sort of preach when I'm on TikTok is that the marketing strategies or the hacks and tips that these gurus share don't work for Latinx and BIPOC. They don't, they simply do not because we are on a different playing field, you know? And uh, most of the time, most of our businesses are handmade or they address a specific need within our community. That's not gonna appeal to the minority, global minority, let's just say it that way, right? So for us, it needs to be really specific. And for don't, don't pay for any coaching, don't pay for any courses, don't trust any social media guru that's telling you you have to buy my course to like hit, don't do any of them. All right. Just please don't waste your money. <laughs> Thank you for that. And I, I want to say though, so I, I'm going to be honest. I thought about like buying a course, but then I was like, no, because I have to I, everything that you say, like, you need to have X, Y, and C. I'm like, yes, checklist, check, like, you know, like not checklist, check mark. I have that already. Um, so that, that was this confirmation that I'm going the right way. Yeah. Um, however, there is, there is so much to know, right? I, I see people on TikTok that, you know, kind of drop the hook and then they introduce themselves as, you know, I am the CEO of X, Y, and C. Mm -hmm. I, I see people that don't even do that. So it's like, how do you know which one is the right strategy per se? You test. Thank you. Do you do a lot of testing. Okay. So one of the, or I should say for the majority of my clients, we do a lot of testing, right? We do testing in terms of our hook delivery introduction. And I think for you specifically, you need to find your style, right? And that's that's kind of, and, and not just you specifically, anyone that wants to get on TikTok, you need to find your style. You're going to see a lot of people doing, you know, kind of what you want to do. You, a lot of people that you're like, well, that seems to come really easy for them. How do they do that? You need to find whatever your style is. And then you're going to notice that content creation on TikTok isn't as hard because you're doing it in a way that feels true to you. 
And if you know, yeah, and if you know anything about TikTok, you know that people there value authenticity. There, you know, the sentiment about Instagram is very, I want to say negative, but people who hang out the, the majority of the time on TikTok really don't like the fake, you know, aspirational um, sort of aesthetic type thing that happens on Instagram. I can tell you on one hand how many times I've logged into Instagram because I just don't, I don't, I don't like it. You know, I have an Instagram account, but I don't even post there because it's just not, it's not my platform. I don't like it. And so, and it takes time. It does take time. It takes it does. a lot of time to plan on Instagram. It does. It does. <laughs> and so we do Instagram management. We do full service Instagram, um, full service social media management, which includes, you know, uh, vertical video. It includes carousels. It includes sort of the, the entire strategy for your social media. But Instagram for me, besides me kind of just checking on things for clients, because I have two team members that help me in terms of content creation, in terms of scheduling, in terms of client management. Um, in terms of me just checking on these like little quality items that I tend to do, not in a, not in a super like, you know, like micro, you know, managing way, but kind of like I, I value quality, I value customer service. So beyond me checking on those things, I'm not necessarily on Instagram, but back to your question, TikTok is very like people value authenticity. They just want you to be you. And you already have the experience. You already have the expertise. It's more about creating more content so that you can know what your content creation style is. And sometimes you're going to notice that stuff that you've talked about a few months ago, you can easily just repurpose. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's just about showing up and kind of doing so in a way that provides value. Um, and making sure that you have like a strong call to action so that you're converting those viewers into actual community members. I like to call them community members. I don't like to call them followers because I feel like it's so impersonal, right? To be like, oh, it's a follower. Like, no, that's a person. Like if you were to have 10 people (laughs) in your room, you know, 10, 20, that's a lot of people. I would get nervous, you know? So but so like, I always like to call them community members. And so for the majority of our clients, if you notice any, I'm going to give you a, a, an example. If you go under like Latina coach or Latina mentor, mentor, um, you're going to see a lot of my clients, right? Because we're like dominating that hashtag, right? And why? Because we create content specifically for a very niche audience and we get them the views, we get them, you know, the community members that they want, we get them the traffic that they want because we're creating content specifically for that audience. Mm-hmm. We're not chasing trends. We're not doing the lip syncing and all that stuff. That doesn't work. Sometimes you just showing up is what works. Don't worry about finding the perfect hashtag or, you know, making the video super perfect. I, I'm like a recovering perfectionist. Okay. I want everything to be perfect, but in reality, it just can't. And the more you look at it, the more you are going to find something wrong with it and you're not going to post. So that's right. For anyone, for you, I'd say just keep testing, see how content performs if you're introducing yourself. And it can be like you're saying it, you're speaking it, or it can be maybe a bubble that pops up around you and says, you know, this is me. And like, here's, you know, here's who I am. Here are my credentials. Right. And I think it's important for you to uh, sort of um, give that context, like we talked about, because a lot of times people are like, who is she? Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, why are you giving me advice? Like, I don't, <laughs> are you, you know what I mean? 
And so you want to establish sort of that credibility from, from like the first few seconds so that they know, oh, okay, this is somebody I can trust. Like this is somebody that creates content for me, for my community specifically. Yeah, I, I love everything you said. And I I 100% agree with you on there are no followers, right? We're creating a community, especially as we have the vision to grow our business and give back to our community as well. We can't just say followers. And every time people say that, I, <laughs> I, I it like I almost get upset because I'm like, no, they're part of your community and we need them, right? We need them yeah. to not only grow our business, but also we need them to even help us become the, the I want to say like the salesperson, because when they're commenting, when they're sharing, when they're liking, people mm -hmm. are like, okay, why did Rosie like that? that right. video right like who is this person so i i love all everything that you're saying it makes a lot of sense so you seem so confident when you're talking about your niche your target market i want to ask you what are some of those money limiting beliefs that you have to let go of in the last few years for you to just be here with me today and then just sound like the person that you are today a tiktok expert Thank you. Um, a lot. <laughs> so when, thankfully, you know, when I started work, I started investing in like my retirement account. Right. And so since I was like 19 already with a retirement account, which back then I was like, I'm not going to get old anytime soon. Like, why <laughs> do I need this? You know, but because I had sort of a negative and positive relationship with money. And I think for, for me as a, like a first gen, and for many of us, like navigating college and career and stuff like that is really like a, like you're doing it on your own. And so I did fall into the trap of like student loans and paying for college and doing all that stuff. But at the same time, I was also very savvy because I bought my first home when I was like 21. So I bought my first home when I was 21, I had a retirement account. I'm not going to say I had like hundreds of thousands, like I did not, but I was like good, but also bad. So in my 20s, I made a lot of mistakes financially, right? I made a lot of mistakes financially, but also I learned a lot. And then it helped me now in my 30s to really understand where I want to go. And I think taking the leap into entrepreneurship did take a lot of planning in terms of, you know, here's what I need to do, or here's how many clients I need to have to be able to sustain the income and be able to still provide for my family, you know, because I'm, I'm married, we have three children. It's not just me. I think it's easier for somebody who, and not to downplay their experience, but it is a little bit easier for somebody who's just, you know, single, doesn't really have children to take the leap into entrepreneurship because you can always, you know, pick up extra jobs or side gigs. My time is very limited. And mm -hmm. so I had to let go of the fact that yeah, it is a steady income, but I want to bet on myself because I want to create wealth for my children. I want them to have something to, to, you know, when I'm gone, they have something to look back on, but it hasn't always been like that. It's always been for me. I'm always like, okay, I need to save because that sort of like fear in the back of my mind is I don't want to be broke. I don't want to not be able to have food on the table. I don't want to not be able to buy something just because I want it. I'm not into like the fancy expensive stuff, but I am into things that actually bring me joy that bring me, you know, experiences like traveling, right? Like traveling with my kids or doing something fun with them. Um, and it's, 
it's been a lot of retraining in terms of like, hey, I'm paying this debt. Debt to me is like, there's good debt and bad debt. You know that, right? But for me, I'm like always in the back of my like, oh my God, like student loans keep me up at night. Let's just say that. But I'm almost there and like almost done with them. Um, but in terms of like that itself, I'm like, I just can't. I need to, I need to be mindful about my spending because I don't want to be thinking about the debt or the money that I have to pay back. It just keeps me up at night. So it's still kind of a work in progress, in my opinion. I feel like there's yeah. still a lot of justification as to why I should buy this or why I should invest in this. Um, and then there's sometimes where I'm like, you know what? I do deserve this. You know, I've worked hard for this. But I think the main um, lesson here is that money comes and goes, <laughs> you know, money comes and goes and you can always make more money. And sometimes you investing in yourself brings you a lot more than the initial investment. Like mm-hmm. if you take me, for example, as you know, building the social media agency, there's been a lot of investments that have had that I've needed to make to get the business off the ground, right? So get the business off the ground in terms of like branding, in terms of hiring team members, in terms of contractors, in terms of, you know, stuff. I don't do any paid marketing. All of it is organic. All of it is word of mouth. But in the same breath, there are a lot of investments behind the scenes that happen. And at first, when I was a solopreneur, that was really hard for me. It was hard for me because I made, I fell into the trap of those like, business coaches that aren't really business coaches. They're just fluff, right? And so with that negative experience, I think it shaped a lot of how I invest my money now and how I'm really careful to do my due diligence to understand how this money is going to come back to me um, and and me feeling confident about paying Mm. someone or investing in that person. And so far it's been good. So far, you know, I've, I've had good team members. I've had good people working. And so far the investments that I've made have helped me recoup back even more, you know, three, four times as much. I so, love it. Yeah, it's, it's always scary to like put that money forth because you're like, oh my God, like the money that I'm making now, especially in the first few years of your business, you're oftentimes reinvesting a lot of that money back into your business. Yeah. Not, you know, cutting yourself a $10,000 check every week, like most of these gurus tell you online, you're not. No, but you won't. <laughs> you're not in the first few stages of your business, you're not. And so you need to be mindful that, yeah, it is going to be a lot of work, but the money that you do invest, do your research before you pay that person, before you buy whatever it is for your business so that you are making smart investments. You don't want to operate at a, you know, at a negative or at zero for, for years or months on end. Like you want to make sure that you're uh, curtailing those expenses right in the beginning so that you know, yeah. like, okay, this is where my money is going. And one of the things that I have always done is I've always kept a budget, personal, you know, budget to kind of see where my money is going. Right. And I do the same for my business every, you know, every couple of weeks, I kind of look at my receipts. I'm super, super strict about receipts. Like I keep everything. Right. So I'm always linking my receipts. I'm always adding my expenses. I think it's really important for you as a business owner to understand your cash flow, to understand your revenue, to understand the difference between what's coming in and what's going out so that you don't think that, you know, the business is doing well when in actuality it's not. And I, I think love it that's for us as Latinas, we need to be super, super 
um, mindful of that because we're opening businesses at a larger rate, but we're also closing much sooner because we sometimes don't understand the overall aspect of money coming in and money going out and how much we're actually making. It could look good, but if our expenses are killing all of that, at the end of the day, you're not really making money. You're not positioning yourself to scale, which I think investing in other people or people that know how to do things better than you help you scale a lot faster than you doing things DIY. Because that, that was kind of me in the beginning, like solopreneur. I'm like, I don't know that I want to pay this person. But looking back and doing a time audit, which is what I tend to do now weekly, I'm like, okay, this is what I spent my time on that I shouldn't have, right? And kind of looking at this year, I'm like, this is what I spent 50% of my time on. I'm not making that mistake again. So I love it. I love mindful. it. Yeah. Thank be you so much for sharing and that. Yeah, and I have a business degree and I do, uh, I also do business coaching for my clients. And I always say the question that you should ask me and anybody that you work with at the beginning is what is my return on investment? Because yes. building a business on sand is going to cost you so much money. But when you make that time to create those money systems or financial systems, you're setting yourself for a great success that we might not happen this year, but it will happen next year, right? So understanding that the ROI and it's so important. So thank you for that. I want to ask you two more questions. And the first one is what is your definition of wealth? And then the second one is where can people find you? Yeah. So for me, I talked about valuing family, right? That's super important to me. And so I spent the majority of my time working as a paralegal and that job was like super time consuming, right? Not just time, but also mentally. And it would leave me very, very drained. And I have three, they're not super small, but they're growing, right? So I have kids that were in my career I was raising and really hated having to drop them off at daycare or at the babysitter because I'm like, I'm not spending any time with them. So for me, wealth building means not necessarily hoarding money, but more so having the flexibility to have more time, flexibility to do what you want, flexibility to work on whatever you want, flexibility to say no to clients or people that maybe don't closely align with you. Um, and having the flexibility to like protect your mental health, which I think is super important. Love it. So I've, I've struggled with like depression and anxiety, like uh, for a long time. And people always get like confused. You're like, what do you mean you're an introvert? I'm like, I am an introvert. You know, I just need a lot of time to recharge. I can be sort of like really good, but also I need time to like really set back. And wealth doesn't, like I said, for me, it's not, it's not hoarding money. It's more so money is important. Yeah. But it's more so about having the flexibility to choose how you work, when you work and who you work with. And I think, you know, in establishing those boundaries, which I've learned, and, you know, more so to establish more of those boundaries really sets you up for success where you're working with people who don't drain your energy so that you can expand your ability to work with more people, to bring in more cash, because we're not, we're not just doing this because we simply like absolutely love it. Yes, we do love it, but we are also entitled, not entitled, I should say, we're deserving of getting paid for our skills. I think for Latinas, most of us, you know, we already know the statistics, we're underpaid. And so you deserve to be paid for your skills, for your products, for whatever it is, whatever your passion is. 
So whatever wealth means to you, I say, get clear on that and establish the boundaries that need to happen because you're going to see that once you do, you're going to grow though that cash flow, that wealth that you really want to see, not just monetarily, but personally, professionally as well. I love it. So where can people find you? Yeah, if they want so, to connect with you and your expertise. Yeah. So you can go to my website, socialconcultura.com. But I always like connecting with people on LinkedIn. You can always just send me a quick little note, be like, hey, I heard you on whatever or saw you on whatever. You can also find me uh, at TikTok at Social Concultura. And I'm also on Instagram, but not as much as I mentioned. So definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Check out my website. As I mentioned, you know, I do social media management. We do social media management and strategy specifically. We're a TikTok forward marketing agency. We won't ever make you dance or lip sync or anything like that. And I help brands grow on TikTok, specifically Latinx and BIPOC brands grow on TikTok, grow their brand awareness, build community, and really monetize their audience in a way that feels authentic to them and to our culture and that respects our cultural differences. I think a lot of people miss the mark on that. So you can definitely find me on LinkedIn, TikTok. If you want to work with me, you can inquire on my website because my goal for 2023 and beyond is to create more ways to amplify our community. I love it. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast. And Mujeres, we will be adding Madeline's links on the show notes. So make sure that you check them, click them, and follow her. So thanks again for coming to the podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take control of your dinero, download our free 15-page Latina's Guide to Building Wealth, the ultimate blueprint to create your dinero systems. This guide includes the best tips on mindset, budgeting, and the dinero systems you need to build wealth. It is completely free, and to get a copy, you need to go to sayolawealth.com and enter code WEALTH at checkout and start creating your wealthy life today. Until next time, mujer, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay inspired. On the Say Hola Well podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general informational purposes only, and it does not constitute legal accounting, tax, or other legal advice. Listeners should not act upon the content information without seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professionals. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liabilities with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liabilities for errors, inaccuracy, omission, misleading, or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.